0: Happy Monday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. I am Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We got a good one with Michael Short. He is Mr. Boxing in Calgary, breaking down the biggest event of the weekend, Canelo Alvarez, with a victory over Billy Joe Saunders. It is... A fight that is going to get talked about quite a bit. We'll break it down a little bit more, but I did want to get a couple thoughts here before we get into the interview with Michael Short. Again, if you have any notes about the show, you can tweet me. I am at Primetime Klein. Instagram at Primetime Klein. Uh, the show on email is, to email the show is couchpotato diary at yahoo.com. The big talking point. In the immediacy, once that fight ended, was whether or not we should criticize Billy Joe Saunders for retiring on the stool and not coming out for the ninth round after Canelo Alvarez punched the hell out of his face for a while. And I am of two minds of this, and again, get into this a little bit more in the interview, but on the one hand, complete and total respect, this should go without saying, but it doesn't, so... Complete and total respect for anyone who will get into a boxing ring and put their body on the line in that way, largely for our entertainment, also for sport, but for for our entertainment. So, with that being said, I don't think you can talk the shit Billy Joe Saunders talks and do the things Billy Joe Saunders does and then have me give you the benefit of the doubt. It just don't work that way. So, yes, was it the smart thing for his corner to do? Absolutely. I commend them when most other corners would say, Hey, this is the biggest fight of his life. He has to go out there. Even if he can only see with one eye, he still has to go out there and prove what kind of a man he was credit to his corner for doing the right thing. But I am not just going to blindly give the benefit of the doubt to someone who, as we proved in the last podcast, isn't a great dude and talked all this stuff. If you want us to give you the benefit of the doubt, be a better person is all I'm going to say about that. Canelo with a a fantastic victory, and actually fought through some adversity, and I really appreciated that from his performance. Elsewhere, in the sporting world, I haven't done enough research into this, but the fact that a horse and a trainer have been banned from the Kentucky Derby because of a drug testing scandal is my favorite thing to happen in 2021 so far. So, thank you very much. I... To everyone involved, I need to I need to look into this story more. I, I don't think I'm going to have a full opinion on this, but I, I will admit I don't have all the facts. But a, a story that batshit crazy needs to be mentioned on this podcast. As far as, far as non-horse related stories are concerned, in the NHL we're starting to see coaching changes pop up. And I'm going to be fascinated to see where John Tortorella ends up. Because I think... Much like with Daryl Sutter, you kind of get this idea that John Tortorella, not a coach for today's NHL. But you look at the job he has done in Columbus, and specifically in the last couple of years. Like this year, it falls off. And that, that is to be expected. But last year, that's one of the best coaching jobs I think John Tortorella has ever done. And this is a guy who has won a Stanley Cup, him into another one. But he gets so much out of that team. And what he was able to do for the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, I think that he is going to be a very beneficial add to any other coaching staff. And he feels like one who is going to be unemployed as long as he wants to be. Um, As far as Rick Tockett goes, he and the, the Arizona Coyotes part ways, I think he's a good coach. But then you look at Arizona and they've for the most part, underachieved in his time with the Coyotes. And this has certainly been a tumultuous time around that organization with everything that went on in the front office. But I still... Arizona feels like a team that probably needed to get more out of these last couple of seasons than they did. And Rick Tocchet I think, probably is going to t- need to take another assistance job or a head coaching job in another country before he gets another one. It-, it just doesn't, that one doesn't feel like the, oh, you need to hire this guy. Where I think if you bring John Tortorella into Arizona, I actually think that might be a bit of an interesting fit, get a bit more structure in there on a team that's best years have come. With that structure, I think that would be an interesting fit. I wonder what Philadelphia does, as this year has been a tire fire for them. And Tortorella can bring some, maybe a bit more of a defensive mindset to a team that might need it a little bit more. But I, I like the coaching staff that Philadelphia has. So I, I will be interested to see where this whole offseason in the NHL goes. Uh, the NBA... The Lakers get a big win over the Phoenix Suns. And again, this play-in tournament creating so much intrigue. The one thing I push back on, people saying, hey, this isn't fair. Like, you have a Lakers team that was so good, but now because of an injury or two, in their case, three, but because of injuries, they drop into this play-in game and that, that's just not fair. And my response is, yeah, sucks, doesn't it? Don't care. It... There is th- this whole notion of, oh, well, this is the playoffs and this is what it has to be. I hate that. Th- there isn't this panel of elders in the sports world that decides the exact perfect amount of playoff teams in baseball is 12. And in hockey, it's 16. And in basketball, it's 16. No! Leagues get to decide this shit all the time. The whole, the Blue Jays weren't a real playoff team last year. Did they play in a thing called the playoffs? Yes then they were a playoff team last year. If you want to go by old standards, then anyone who doesn't make the World Series isn't a playoff team because that's how they did it back in the 60s when they apparently hated TV revenue. So for the NBA, yes, it is frustrating that a year prior, if you had been the seventh seed, then you are a playoff team. And now this year, you're not necessarily guaranteed that. Tell that to the 85 Blue Jays who had a... 3-game-to-2 lead over the Kansas City Royals in 1984, that's good enough to get you to the World Series. In 1985, that's good enough to have you lose back-to-back games and not make it to the World Series. This shit changes all the time. It's not like they surprised this on them in February. Like Oh, by the way, now you're gonna have to play in a playing tournament now. Everyone has known this entire time what the playoff structure was going to be and part of having a good team and part of having a championship team as much as we don't like to admit it is luck luck plays a huge role in this whether it be injury luck whether it just be how the ball bounces a couple of times the toronto raptors won a championship in 2019 one of my greatest sports memories as a human being and they got lucky as hell that Kawhi shot needs four bounces to go in before they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. If that doesn't happen, they're probably screwed in overtime against Philadelphia. They somehow win a wild multiple overtime game in game three against the Milwaukee Bucks. If they don't win that, they're screwed. There's some luck involved in that. Luck plays a huge factor in all of this. If you try to litigate luck out of anything, you're never going to play sports ever. Is it unfair? That the Lakers might have to play in a play-in game against the Golden State Warriors? No, them's the rules. Is it unlucky? Sure it is. Is it unfair? Get the fuck out of here with that. Alright, good stuff with Michael Short coming up here as we break down Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders, and some stuff on the boxing scene in Calgary as it has been a difficult time in that industry, among several others, to say the least. So uh, we will listen to a touch of music. I will tell you where to find that music. And then we will get to Michael Short from Dakota here on Couch Potato Diary. All the beats that you hear on Couch Potato Diary are provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X's where the A's would be. You can also find their producer, Tommy Fresh, on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh. The big story from the weekend Canelo Alvarez with a not as convincing as some other performances but still a convincing win when all is said and done as Billy Joe Saunders doesn't answer for the ninth round here to help us break that down Mr. Boxing in Calgary Michael Short from Dakota Mr. Boxing how are you today sir Peter I'm doing great
1: thanks for doing these I think you're the best from Sportsnet days to now running your own show this is fantastic and thanks for always supporting boxing
0: Yeah, of course. Well, I I don't know about the the best from the Sportsnet days, but I'm certainly the best host on this show. Uh, (laughs) But uh, for for Canelo, from this last weekend, uh, as I said kind of in the opening, not the most dominant performances. There was certainly some resistance put up by Billy Joe Saunders, but in the end, he gets the job done in front of 73,000 fans in Dallas. Uh, I guess before we get into some of the specifics, your thoughts on how Canelo looked on Saturday night.
1: You know what? Um, he it it was dominating, but he had a live guy in there. You know he's got somebody that's never lost before. Billy Joe was undefeated. He's world champion as well, and um, a lot of firm belief in himself. He's a gypsy, so there's no backing down from a guy like that. You know he, he's he's there to fight, and uh, you know of course it, it's it's championship level boxing. But what it what it shows you by. Canelo breaking them down and taking him out in eight rounds is that uh he's just that that a few steps ahead of these guys. So even though these guys are, you know, considered A-level fighters, uh Canelo's put himself into that elite level
0: and he's just right now you can't bet against him. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And it, 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 I find some of the analysis of the fight interesting because to your point, like Canelo was pretty clearly in control of that fight as, as it winds down, but there's a lot of talk about how good Billy Joe Saunders looked and you go back and it's like two rounds, maybe three, like Billy Joe Saunders did better than we thought he was going to do. That doesn't mean he was winning though. Uh, But what did you make of the the opposition for Canelo in Billy Joe Saunders?
1: Yeah. You know, you know, he, he came to fight for sure, but these commentators, I don't know what fight they were watching because, you know, a lot of the, the lighter punches that Billy Joe was, you know, firing out. First off, he only landed a few clean shots, but nothing really telling. Even in the first round, one of the comment and, and of course, Carl Frotch is a Brit, so he's, he's going to back the other Brit. But, you know, I, I maybe I would give him the fourth round Think that's about it, so it, and it's almost one of those situations where you say, Okay, he didn't lose the, the fourth round as bad as he lost the first three, so you know, I, I think we could see to give him the fourth round just to try to keep it, you know, into a com- competitive uh fight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how one of the commentators had Billy Joe ahead, that, that's absurd. Um, I would think that you know, maybe one round, maybe two rounds, you know, you have him. Winning, but really, the bigger uh, punches were landed by Canelo, even in the first round. That thing that stood out to me was the three massive body shots that Canelo landed. Yeah, and that, that was it. So he he gets the first round, even even though there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, action either way. But you know, he he definitely uh, he definitely was winning that fight and uh, broke the guy down, made him quit on his stool, and previously, uh, you know, Billy Joe i i don't want to say he criticized another fighter for quitting on a stool for a similar injury but it, it was he it was a little bit critical saying you know telling the guy look bro you got to go out on your shield you got to go out on your shield and you know he didn't right you don't know what he's going through i mean after he got that massive uppercut in the eighth round he got hit on it a few more times and the eye was already you know, it's broken in several places. That's what we find out afterwards. Your adrenaline can only carry you so far and not everybody can, can work through, you know, broken hands broken ribs, broken jaw, broken eye socket. So talk is cheap, but you know, they did the right thing. Uh, yeah. call him the fight when they did, you know, he wasn't winning, didn't have a chance to win. He's not a big puncher and, uh, he's injured real bad. Call the fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the, the talk about that after the fight was interesting because uh, on the one hand, like full respect for anyone who steps into a ring at any level to, to get into a fist fight. Like that is absolutely just next level of um, of bravery that I, I will never be able to understand. That being said, if you're going to talk as much trash as he did and then call it on the stool, even if it is kind of the the safer move and you don't want to have a guy have his entire face busted up. Um, the, the way that Billy Joe Saunders had at least half of his face busted up. Um, you can kind of understand it, but also I, I can't really give you the benefit of the doubt when you're going to be talking all of that trash and doing some of the not awesome things that Billy Joe Saunders has done outside of the ring as well.
1: Yeah, you know, um, some people will, will go through that type of adversity no matter what. You take a, an old school guy like Diego Corrales, Diego um, you know, somebody like that, You could tear his whole face off. He's going to come in fight. Marvin Hagler, same thing. Uh, Arturo Gatti, two broken hands. No problem. He's still throwing head shots. But but again, it's, you know, no, no, uh, there's no knock on uh, Billy Joe for sitting on the stool. He couldn't see. The eye was broken in several pieces. And, you know, the coach has literally about 50 seconds to make a call and you know you got 70,000 people screaming the, the hype the you know the magnitude of the, the fight the show it, millions of people watched him worldwide and you, you roughly have about 50 seconds to uh, do triage and assess you know your fighter what do we do he doesn't he's not winning should we send him out to get you know just crushed and maybe he never fights again or do we just call it right now and, and yeah. you know live to fight another day And that was, that was the proper thing to do. The boxer maybe wants to still continue. Maybe he doesn't, you know, everybody has those doubts that creep up in their mind during an injury. When you're in a fight and you get injured, I I, I got a broken nose before I've I've been cut, I've hurt a hand before I've hurt ribs before. When you get an injury, you get that nauseous feeling in your gut right away. It means that tells you in your mind, "Uh uh-oh, something went wrong. I'm injured. And you you can magnify that thought or you can just chase it away. And sometimes you're, you know, you're good to go. But then if the corner calls the fight or the ref calls the fight, you know, you live with it. Yeah. If they ask you, do you want to continue? The the first thought in your head might be, not really. (laughs) but i'm going to right and you just you just nod your head it's just an automatic yeah ref. i want to continue and you know that that's yeah you, you know when they say that somebody's uh, too tough for their own good and mm-hmm. you know you have to save them from themselves so it's sometimes those situations a guy like victor ortiz a long time ago he didn't want to fight through that type of adversity and, and he, he got you know badly criticized for it yeah because he just said, look, you know, no way, I'm I'm way too injured, broken jaw. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. I'm going to quit. And
0: yeah. Well, and and Billy Joe Saunders, obviously very well aware of was going on, but so was Canelo. Like you could see that there was a a, a shark to blood in the water type of a, a feel once Canelo knew that Billy Joe Saunders was hurt. I thought that was really impressive from Canelo in that eighth round where he knew he had a guy on the ropes and he just swarmed him.
1: Yeah, you know, but he also called it. This is the first time Canelo has done such a thing. He says, I'm going to take him out between 8, 9, and 10. I think that the over-under was uh, nine and a half rounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the, the the betting odds, whether the fight goes nine and a half rounds or if it goes over. So I think that was the over-under bet. Um, Canelo was obviously the, the huge favorite. And he just knew, I mean, the, the shots that he was landing flush, the, the type of body shots that he was landing, he could see Billy Joe dropping a gear every couple rounds. And he could just feel it in the eighth round when he started to pump his arms up. And, you know, he, he knew. Yeah. He's smart enough. He knew that his guy was hurt. He knew he was breaking down. Going into the fight, I thought that, Billy Joe might be able to go 12 rounds, but I thought he would evade a lot more and not engage as much. And that's how I thought he would go. But, you know, give it to him that he he came out and he went for it. He tried to make a fight out of it. He realized, like, you know, dang, Canola can really hit. And this is, uh,
0: he did what he could. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of what's next for Canelo, um, in the ring, he calls out Caleb Plant, um, the, the the only other person at super middleweight who holds a major championship right now, aside from Canelo. Um, not the the biggest of names, though. And in an era where it seems like everyone's just trying to make a big name fight and that ends up holding things up, Canelo is just going for a more belt collector. Well, this is, this is the next guy who has a championship, so this is the next guy I'm going to fight. Uh, what do you make of that kind of promotional strategy from Canelo?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously you want to make fights that have purpose. Um, Caleb Plant is a little bit of a name, um, much more than say somebody like Andrade or, you know, those kind of fighters, but it, it, it creates a purpose. You're unifying all the belts into into one one guy. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult to make that fight. Caleb Plant fights for PBC, Al Heyman, and I, and I think that. He's probably going to ask for too much. He's he's going to want 50-50, uh, those types of things, and he doesn't deserve it. But no. by fighting Canelo, he would definitely get his biggest payday ever. And I think Caleb Planta, I, I, I can't remember his record. He's about thirty-four and or something like that. So why not take take the fight? Who cares if you get a loss now and and you make ten million dollars? You know, yeah. in, in the meantime, he might be making two or three million for his regular fights and you can make 10, 12, 15 million, take the deal. Don't be foolish. So that, that fight does create some purpose, but if you want to test Canelo, I think he's got to go back up into super middleweight. Um, there's a fight with David Benavides that I think would be very, very compelling, very difficult for both guys, just based on the size of Benavidez and, you know, he's a big puncher. I think Canelo has got him on skill, but, the size difference and the punching power of Benavides definitely makes it interesting. Uh, at middleweight, I don't know if you want to see another Golovkin fight. What has Golovkin done since they fought? I don't. I don't think it's warranted. Um, you know, like I said, Andrade, any of these guys, uh, Chris Eubanks, Jr. Maybe. Um, mm-hmm. What I'd rather see though is that Billy Joe Saunders goes back to the UK and fights Chris Eubank. And then, you know, if Eubank can beat him in good fashion, then maybe you could warrant that and, and do it overseas, do it over, over the O2 arena. That, that could be a very compelling type of fight over there. It's kind of like, you know, when Terence Crawford is looking for an opponent, you know, for most of his guys, you got to go back to Omaha to get the full house. Right. Because a lot of these f- fights probably wouldn't draw in Vegas or New York or something like that the same way. But definitely fill the house in Omaha, Terrence's hometown. So, um, you know, Canelo, hey, uh, they got an opportunity to put him into Mexico City, you know, into the big stadium. He just showed he can draw 73,000 people. Yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg Haugen and uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, the, the, the legendary Chavez, drew, I think it was 132,000 people wow in the 80s in Mexico City so they filled a, a hockey or not a hockey <laughs> Mexico <laughs> they they us a, a soccer stadium so you know canelo could probably do that in Mexico City Yeah, and i think that that's a great fight you know take any name and put him in Mexico City he's he's going to he's going to draw those kind of numbers um upwards in the six figures that's what i think
0: yeah and it just It feels like Canelo understands you can put me in here against anyone and I am going to draw a big gate and whether it's, I guess, pay-per-view doesn't really matter when he's doing the zone thing, but I can, I I am going to draw no matter who I'm against. And that's why Caleb plant kind of being, ah, we'll see. It's like, really? Why? Like I I understand a dude just punched a a hole into a guy's orbital bone. And I probably wouldn't want to fight him either. But at the same time, to your point, this is going to be the biggest payday of your life and you're probably going to lose, but no, one's going to hold that loss against you. No, one's going to look at your record. Oh, lost to Canelo. Like, no, of course not. Like, it it is understood Canelo is the best at this right now. Uh, A loss against him doesn't hurt you and financially it benefits you greatly. And and to your point, you could put it in any stadium you want and it's going to draw a lot. And that is going to be the biggest fight of your life. So I I was very surprised at how initially dismissive Caleb plant was to this whole thing.
1: Well, yeah, I I guess you're, you're right. You know, do you want to fight, you watch george foreman hit the heavy bag you want to fight him you know
0: know? (laughs) no good point
1: you you just watched uh, canelo completely dismantle um billy joe who who was going in and you know a pretty decent threat you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought that he stood a a chance to go 12 rounds i thought he could go 12 rounds i didn't think he would win but i thought he'd go 12 rounds and make it interesting i thought it'd be you know maybe a a 10 to 2 type of fight nine to three type of fight maximum but i thought he would steal some rounds and, and go the distance and, and evade but you know uh caleb plant I, I would say he's kind of at par with somebody like billy joe as far as skills and ability and all that stuff goes but you know if he's uh if he's looking to make money then he can do it with canelo that's why everybody wants to fight these guys that's why do you think everybody wants to fight floyd Miller because they can make money
0: right
1: you know Shane Mosley, when he fought him, I, I don't know, I think, was he 40? He was about 40, 39, 40 when he fought Floyd. Yeah. You know, going in, of course, he believes in himself. He believes in his abilities. But the reason you want those really, really difficult fights, the reason you want that challenge where the odds are against you and you're fighting, you know, a living legend is because you can get paid. That's why we do pro boxing, is to make money. When you enter the NHL, there's salaries. So you 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 know the the lowest guy in the NHL might make I don't even know what it is but maybe he makes two fifty or four hundred or something like that. It's guaranteed you know that once you hit the NHL you're not going to be working for one hundred and sixty bucks a night. Right. So when you enter pro boxing there is no salary. You enter pro boxing you might make a thousand dollars for a four round pro debut. Maybe you make fifteen hundred two thousand and I'm just talking a regular regular boxer not an mm-hmm. Olympian not a a high level guy that's signed, you know, immediately from the amateurs into top rank, you know, those kind of things, they're going to get paid more, but, and they're also going to be full-time fighters. So that means their salary, they get paid a monthly fee to, to live. They get their accommodations provided and then they, they fight and they get a little bit, you know, they get a purse, but for Caleb Plant to, to not really strongly call for this. To not really say, hey, I want to fight this guy. Al Heyman, make this happen. If he really wants to fight and he forces it, Al Heyman will have to make that happen. His promoter, PBC, will, will make it happen. If, if he really doesn't want it because he's scared of losing, he's scared of losing his title, maybe that defines him. I don't know. Then they'll sit on the sidelines and Canelo will fight other guys. You know, John Smith. But uh, yeah, he should take that fight. He should force for it. He should make you know anything necessary to make the fight happen. And again, that's the type of fight that you could put in the Mexico City. You could put in
0: you know almost anywhere like that and draw a big crowd. Yeah, absolutely, and especially since people are so starved for entertainment, as we saw on Saturday with that place packed uh, yeah. in Arlington, um, looking at what else is left on the, the boxing schedule right now. Um, the, the next one that I think a lot of people have their attention on is uh, the first weekend in June as Teofimo Lopez is back in action. I believe for the first time since beating Lomachenko and really rocketing himself up the, the pound for pound rankings, uh, not the most traditional of platforms that he is fighting on as he is on Triller, which will be by far and away the most legitimate fight that's been on Triller show, uh, so far. Um, but before we get into the Triller aspect of this, what do you make of Teofimo Lopez now coming off of a, a monumental career defining win now kind of setting out on his own path instead of being the first Teofimo Lopez, instead of being the guy who beat Lomachenko?
1: Yeah. You know, he's uh, main event. He's on a new platform, new promotion, and um, he's getting paid at least triple what he could make in, you know, the, call it the traditional markets such as top rank, golden boy, those types of promoters. This fight that he's fighting against uh, Camboso, I can't remember the the Australian guy there. Mm -hmm. Cambosa, I think his name is. Um, it's probably worth 1.5, maybe two million dollars. And he's getting six to, to appear on Triller. And we'll talk about Triller in a minute. But, um, he is uh, definitely the legit guy. I like him. I, I, I think he is one of those, uh, you know, guys that will take over the boxing. He's forcing fights. He wants, he's calling out anybody in his division. He wants the, the Ryan Garcia, the, 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 the Gervonta Davis, Tank Davis. Fights. Uh, this is the kind of stuff he really asks for. And I think he's just totally legit. He uh, actually, you know, when you, when you look at what he did to Lomachenko, forget the weight and all that kind of stuff, because was already moved up and he's, he's tested the waters at lightweight before. And, you know, yeah. he struggled a bit. He got knocked down, but, you know, he still dominates. He stops guys. He dominates. He wins every round. And really, uh, it was Lopez that used pretty much uh, the fundamentals of boxing pure boxing in order to take Lomachenko out and and beat him quite handily. In my opinion, he dominated. Yeah. He was competitive, but he also dominated. We haven't seen that happen to Lomachenko. So Lomachenko, he's still in the mix, obviously, and he he can still garner big fights with the likes of Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, so on and so on. But um, Lopez is the real deal. But out of all those guys, I'll say it right here: out of all those guys, I don't know how public this this is going to be. Um, keep your eye on Devin Haney. Mm. I think Devin Haney beats all of them, and I think he's he's the most quiet guy on Instagram and all that. <laughs> but I think he's the most legit, and, and and that's like almost everywhere in boxing. And you know, the people that make the most noise on Instagram and stuff like that usually don't have all the goods to back it up.
0: Right. So, Watch out especially for those local, quiet ones.
1: Especially locally. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, keep your eye on Devin Haney. I think he, he is definitely moving in the right direction. I think he's got the goods to back it up. And, and I think he'll eventually beat all these guys. If they do so, something like a round robin, they all mm-hmm. fight each other. And there's and you throw those other names in there still. Like Lenares. he's still very substantial. Uh, Lomachenko, he's still very... You know, credible and substantial to be in that mix as a in a round robin, and all these guys fight each other. That, that's going to create a lot of excitement and big events in boxing.
0: Yeah, well, and it feels like there are a lot of those to make right now. Like it just you go through every weight class, and there are two or three or four guys. Like this isn't this isn't an era where there's one or two names and we get excited for them every year. Like you could put on a big fight every month in the sport of boxing right now and have some guys left over. Like it really feels like we are at a a really golden time for talent in boxing. When you look up and down all the different weight classes.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of big fights that could be made, but then when you have all these uh, promoters, not, not all the promoters, let's say it's primarily PVC that that seems to be the stick in the mud. Mm-hmm. So Golden Boy and Top Rank will still work with each other. You know, all these other smaller promotions will still work with each other. And then PBC seems, nah, you know, like I said, it's stick in the mud. Yeah. But uh, there is some fights that are going to have to take place. There's some good fights at Walter Waite for Terrence Crawford that could take place. We haven't seen them yet. But, uh, you know, eventually you're just going to have to go for it. Um, we, we expect that a lot more boxing is going to happen. Vegas is opening up. Um, and I know that the whole state of Florida, as of July 1st, the governor has stated that they're removing all COVID restrictions July 1st, wow. which is really, really big news for Florida. And yeah. I think you're going to see more stuff go there, UFCs and all that stuff, uh, depending on what happens in Vegas. that they, they plan to move that back to Vegas. Texas, let's face it, fantastic. I mean, when you get that many people out for a, a night of the fights, that's that's pretty impressive. And it helps, you know, even the exposure for some of the the undercard guys, it wasn't the best undercard. A um, couple of duds on, on the undercard, you know, but uh, it, it was very decent. They can do better on those undercard fights. I think, especially when you have that many people watching make the undercard fights a little more competitive and, you know, more dynamic and, and some introduction of some bigger, bigger names. Top rank is doing it well. Yeah. guys like Edgar Berlanga. Um, I think that kid's a future killer. He's, he's got the goods for sure. So, you know, there's, there's lots that's happening in boxing, even though it's not happening
0: local. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the platform that Teofimo is going to be fighting on Triller. Um, we talk about um, taking advantage of your undercards. Holy hell. Do they have wild, I mean, everything's w- with Triller, whether it's bare knuckle, whatever, or arm wrestling called by Ric Flair. Like they, they're just they're throwing everything that you can add something, but now they have, as we pointed out, legitimate fight. This isn't a Paul brother fighting a basketball player. That this isn't a couple of fifty-year-olds in there. That this is a legitimate pound-for-pound pound ranked fighter. Um, are you surprised that Triller is getting into the the legitimate boxing aspect of things? And what do you make of how Triller has gone about their business so far?
1: Well, I'm not surprised. I think that they've obviously proven to make money. Otherwise, they wouldn't, you know, keep upping the ante. And like I said, they're they're. Paying uh, Teofimo Lopez probably triple what you would get paid by a Top Rank. Yeah. So, and the way that they're doing that obviously is is they're combining you know the different aspects of entertainment. You know, they, when you watch that thriller show, after every fight, um, you have a new music act that has followers that has you know garnered attention on their own social. I've never heard of some of these music acts, you know, rappers <laughs> and stuff, but. Um, whatever they decide to put in there, whether it's the arm wrestling or, you know, combination of entertainment is what they're doing. And it's proving to be successful because the people that own Triller are not foolish to just keep throwing money at it. So I think there is something there. And for them to now start bidding these types of purses, I just, uh, I'd really like to believe that that's sustainable for them because mm-hmm. they might room boxing by, Paying way too much to somebody like Lopez, and then they fall apart, and then Lopez now getting used to making six, eight, ten, 12, $30 dollars, has to come back and try to fight for two million or three million, which is what the fight is actually worth. Um, you know, that that that'll put a damper on on him if he's <laughs> got to do that, and, and he might miss out on a few opportunities. So I expect that what they're doing, that they know what they're doing. And it is sustainable for them to keep going this way. Yeah. And it will really uh, push these other promotions to either get much better quality fights to draw the viewers in so they, they can't get away with putting duds together. And uh, it will force some of them to actually make the fights happen, such as PBC holding all the welterweights. You know, they'll have to start putting these fights together in order to, uh, uh, to still capture their piece of the market. But triller, you know, it's it's entertainment, and and they're yeah. not just drawing on the boxing fan; they're drawing on all those other fans, like the non-boxing fan, which is the best way to garner the attention of the whole world. You know,
0: yeah,
1: uh, draw draw the entire community of. You know, we've done it locally here. We we put boxing together with K one style kickboxing. We've had amateurs, uh, professionals. Uh, you know, we. have brought in pretty decent level singers. We brought in a pretty decent level boxer called Zab Judah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah and, heard of him. <laughs> and, you know, so that attracted, you know, we 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 had people that probably would never uh pay to go see a fight, buy tickets for a fight like that. Said, yeah. Oh no, wow, this is Zab Judah. First and only time he's gonna be in, in my country and uh <laughs> I'm going to see him. I'm I'm gonna buy a you know $50 ticket or $80 ticket, whatever they were. So, and thriller, you know, uh, let's see what, what happens when they get a live audience allowed.
0: Yeah. So that'll,
1: that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, we referenced locally a, a few times. Um, th- there hasn't been a, a fight in Calgary in quite a while, as you are very well aware. Um, how, how close do you think we are to, to getting something going in, in Calgary with, with things? Uh, again, we're we're into lockdown version three now, so th- this may not seem like the most optimistic of times to be asking this, but what is kind of the, the state of boxing in Calgary at this moment?
1: Well, anything I said would just be pure speculation and, and yeah. wishful thinking because there, there's literally no directive from the province or the city on doing anything. So it's not... They, they don't even tell you when pigs fly, we'll have an event in Calgary. They, they don't say anything. There's no response from them you know we've asked and it, it's just yeah there, there's nothing that comes out of it now i do know for sure that there's an mma promoter sunny serene out of edmonton with a unified mma and he's tentatively booked a date in the fall in calgary hmm. and uh, i think he's got one in calgary one in edmonton first and then one in calgary Those are tentative dates. He's assuming that, you know, by that time we would be able to hold events. I I don't think a permit has been given. I I have no clue, but he's tentatively booked those dates. So uh, we do know that the CFL is starting up in, uh, you would know better,
0: August, I think? Uh, August. August, Yeah, August is the plan now. Yeah.
1: Okay, now you and I both know that the CFL needs an audience. They, they can't do studio events, uh, empty field. You know they, they need a crowd. Yeah. You know, they don't have the sponsorship like the NHL. So if the if the CFL is allowed to go in August, then you would guess that po- probably boxing would be allowed to go after that. You know September and so on. Um, with uh with our city we. we I think we're going to be left behind a little bit behind a city such as Edmonton. I think mm-hmm. Edmonton will probably go sooner than Calgary would just, you know, and that's based on politics and stuff like that. But, uh, that's just my, my opinion. That's how I see it happening. So, uh, that's probably the first city that will open up. Um, and of course you've got commissions all over the province. I think there's 11 municipal commissions. We're the only, mm-hmm. uh, province, uh, In the country that doesn't have a provincial Commission every other province has one provincial Commissioner that sees all events, you know, in every city a farmers field everywhere, (laughs) you can possibly hit a make a fight happen their provincial Commission would oversee that in Alberta we've got 11 municipal commissions that. You know, everybody has their own rules everybody has their own you know, go ahead. So, you know, for instance, uh, somebody like Medicine Hat could potentially come out and host an event before Calgary could, that, that, that could happen, you know, because of just the way the lockdowns happen when they tell you what hot spots are and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, is never in a, in a place like Medicine Hat or Cold Lake has a commission. Um, there's a traveling commission based out of the town of Penhold and, that traveling commission can go into any municipality in the province that doesn't currently have a commission and they can host an event there they can sanction it you know regulate that event so that's all i know is that uh, there's nothing official
0: yeah um having seen what you guys do and seeing the the work ethic and the work that you guys put into dakota what have these last i guess we're into month 15 now um since the the last dakota fight like you, you guys are very go 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 all the time all the time all the time um I, I can't imagine you've just been oh well put our feet up and let's just see what happens so what have the the last few months been like in the the, the dakota offices for lack of a better term
1: yeah you know we uh we're still doing these types of shows. We're still talking about boxing. I, uh, I did shut down my, my articles that used to run on post media all across Mm -hmm. Canada, Mr. Boxing YYC. Um, but I, I appear on CBC a couple times a year as a boxing expert. Yeah. uh, I've been doing, you know, another podcast, the knockout on Zingo TV. Um, this is it. This is all we're doing is talking boxing. You know, right. we, we, we try to run our gym when we can legally um, be in, in the gym. Our athletes, obviously Candy Wyatt. Uh, she fought uh, um, in Florida, mm-hmm. in November for a world title. So there's still some, some aspects of us that are still kind of running. Um, Devin Reddy is uh, he's training on his own primarily. And, uh, when when it's allowed one on one, you know, day to day, the government will tell you, okay, today from two to five p.m. you can go and do one on one training <laughs> the gym. But you know, and then that night it, it'll change again. You know, you can do it on Friday, but you can't do it on Sunday. And uh, you know, only if you're wearing a hoodie can you do one on one training. <laughs> but so yeah, we're we're, we're still we're still kind of you know still talking about it. we're thinking about it. it's in our mind but it, it, do, it doesn't dominate my day it used to used to be that 70 percent of my life was boxing because not only do I run Dakota I was an assistant coach at Beaumont boxing gym where we're volunteer coaches at an amateur gym here in Calgary I was uh writing the articles for post media mm-hmm. I act as an agent for a lot of boxers so I'll get boxers that that don't fight for me, don't fight for Vikadav. The, they could be in any province, and I'll, I'll book fights for them. I'm a, I'm a matchmaker. Sometimes I take trips out of that as well. I just took a trip a couple weeks ago into Vancouver with a boxer, and I was supposed to have two boxers on that show, but uh, one of them tested positive for COVID prior to the event, mm. and so she had to pull out. The other boxer went, and they had a studio-style event, promoter out of Toronto, uh, held a studio cell event in Vancouver, so th- there is there is still semblance of boxing happening, but now it's not. Seventy percent of my day is boxing, It's it's and thirty percent the rest of my life is now maybe about twenty five percent of my thoughts and efforts and stuff are into boxing. So okay, and that can easily shift as soon as you know we we kind of have a a clear cut directive that says okay, you know, we're going to do it now. This is what's happening. Uh, we've seen what the results are of COVID. We have seen, you know, the, the impact on the ICU isn't what we quite expected. So now we're gonna start to just open up events and you know, wear the mask or however you want. Maybe the vaccines might help, like who knows? I, yeah. I, I know we have a, a small percentage of the population here that is vaccinated, and that, that might cause the government to say, oh, okay, everything is whew, everybody's vaccinated. So we can go ahead now, right? Whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, I don't know, but
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, you said like part of your um, part of your boxing experience is working with fighters and, and things of that nature, and in Calgary, a couple of fighters on on the on the upswing, like on the come up with Devin Reddy and Candy White, who you mentioned there. Um, this must be incredibly frustrating. Candy's had a fight. I don't believe Devin has, and he was starting to build some of that momentum over the last couple of years. And now the entire world stops. How does a fighter kind of keep that momentum going when there isn't a fight to get ready for, there isn't another challenge, there isn't another opportunity and you're just in the gym every day. How do you kind of keep that progression going for a young fighter?
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the mental side of sports. That's what happens. You know, Just think of even at the highest level, when a guy can't make certain fights happen, like we mentioned Terence Crawford, you know, he wants to fight certain athletes like Errol Spence and they just can't make a fight like that happen. There's been contractual type of uh, litigation that takes place in boxing where a fighter is is forced to sit down for a year or two years. You know, it happened to Andre Ward uh, over a contract negotiation. So that, that's just the mental status points so that, that that's what makes you that that type of athlete so you take these opportunities to to work skill development you know rather than uh, fighting and then taking a, a few days off a week off and then you know getting back into the gym again because you know you're fighting in three months there's not there's not a lot of time to add to that so you, you know you're always kind of working on what you worked on prior but this way with this whole lockdown and shutdown well, Geez, you can work for months on skill development,
0: yeah.
1: You know, really put yourself up there. But the the other side of that though is a guy like Devin Reddy. He's losing some of his prime time in boxing. Mm -hmm. Shout out to you, prime time. (laughs) But he's losing that prime that prime uh, area that he could be competing and he and he could be getting there because he hasn't fought since February of twenty. And he did enter championship boxing for the first time, 10 round distance, a belt on the line. And he was getting a lot of momentum. He was getting sponsorships from guys like uh, Waldo's Imaging, uh, very old school uh, Calgary uh, based company on 14th street. Uh, Spolumbos. everybody knows them. And he was attracting big attention. And he was getting, you know, a lot of success that will help push him to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, our next fight for him that May, May of 2020, was going to be Jose Alfaro. He's the uh, former WBA world champion. Mm. He had his day in the sun, but he's, he's still a very relevant guy. You know, He's got double the amount of knockouts in his record than Devin Reddy has fights. <laughs> and he beat Eric Morales at one point. After Eric Morales beat Pacquiao, um, Eric Morales lost to Jose Alfaro. For the WBA world title, so this was uh, this was Devon's next step up, and you know a fight like that really puts him into the possibility of getting rated um, by one of the four major organizations. So it is very tough, but some guys, you know, they'll, they'll be able to continue with it. Jordan McNaughton, another one of our our local fighters here, the kid is you know focused. He wants to fight, and he knows what's going on. Uh, it's out of his hands so his focus just turns to staying in shape skill yeah. development he's always running he posts videos of him running when he's allowed he's in the gym you know with his coach doing doing mitts and working on skills uh, so he, he's getting the work in and he's a focused young man that that's staying staying active on his own so as much as he can right and right. Uh, it's not the same when, when you're not allowed, not allowed to spar and those kinds of things so he is uh He's doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, what, what else do you have to do? You, right. can focus, you can focus on the lockdown and poor me and all that stuff. Or you can focus on what's in your control. And your control is how you react to what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. You can You can laugh and say, yeah, bring it on, baby. Bring it on. More, more, more. Come on. Yeah. You know? um, remember Prince, when he did the... Prince, the singer, when he did the uh, Super Bowl? Yep. And they, you know, they were a little worried about talking to Prince because they knew what kind of show he puts on. They said, <laughs> uh, said "Prince, you know, it, it's raining. You know, are you going to be okay? Like, is, you know, is there anything we can do?" They're they a little nervous about how he's going to respond. He goes,
0: "Can you make it rain harder?" <laughs> That's Prince, man. Yeah. <laughs> so love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like it's something we talked about in um when it came to hockey and football where like you have these draft prospects oh i just i i eat sleep and breathe whatever the sport is hockey football whatever it's okay now is your chance to prove that because it's one thing when you have games to get ready for and you have the team that is like kind of pushing you in that direction but now everyone's on their own And, and to your point like maybe even like to the point where you can't even have one trainer with you. So now from a boxer standpoint, when we hear, Oh, all I, all I do is fight. All I do is think, fight, eats, fight, sleep, fight, whatever. Now is your opportunity to prove that. And now coming out of this, we will see who actually lives up to that. Like who is all about fighting all about that improvement. Cause you don't have, A fight to get ready for you don't have that carrot at the end now it is all just your development and and i think it'll be interesting to see in the the 6 12 18 months once we finally get to whatever normal is going to be after this it'll be interesting to see who took advantage of this time and who didn't
1: yeah and and that that's where you're going to see it is Mm -hmm. what have they been doing yeah you know did they blow up you know did a 147 pound guy blow up to 200 pounds and now he's got (laughs) six weeks to lose you know 50 pounds you know did they stay active did they stay focused did they they keep thinking that something would come out of this yeah and you know that that's that's where it will show johnny cash said what's done in the dark will be brought to the light (laughs) you're going to see if uh if they've been putting their money where their mouth is and yeah. they really do want this. And Muhammad Ali got cut down for three and a half years. You know, he was in exile because mm-hmm. of the draft evasion and stuff. And, you know, he, uh, we, we missed probably the three and a half years of the Ali that would have been the, just, you know, it's immeasurable what he would have done in those three and a half years. Cause when he came back, you know, he skipped a few steps. Like there's uh, maybe to move left, it took him three steps instead of one. right? And, and you know, the, some of that was gone. So we'll never know what he could have actually done that way. Yeah. Um, our locals here, Devin, Jordan, uh, uh, Candy Wyatt, I know that they've been working. I know that they're putting putting in the time and they're, you know, they just say, oh, what else am I going to do? You know, what else right. am I going to think about? So they, they are putting it in and I expect that uh, when we are Able to go ahead with events again that, uh, uh, yeah, but they'll come out with, uh, with all guns blazing and you'll see, uh, something new from each.
0: Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait till we get boxing back in Calgary. Um, we've closed things out with a Prince reference and a Johnny Cash reference. So I don't, I don't think we can top that. Uh, Mr. Boxing, thank you very much for your time and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon.
1: Yeah. Let's keep these going, Peter. And, uh, next event, uh, I hope you're going to be on the mic again and, uh, sitting ringside the best seat in the house
0: yeah well I have a bunch of free time now so yes I I will absolutely be there Um, I I love the events that you guys put on and can't wait till we get another one so yes I I will be there with bells on for sure Michael thank you for this appreciate it right on thanks Peter all right there is Michael Short, that is our boxing breakdown, and that's going to do it for the show today. If you have any thoughts, you can uh, tweet them. I am at PrimetimeKlein. Instagram, I'm at PrimetimeKlein as well. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. If you want to email the show, you can do that couchpotatodiary at Yahoo. Com. I'm back with this show on Wednesday. If you want more of me We Had No Idea with a bonus episode out now. You can catch that podcast wherever you got this one and you can find us on Instagram at We Had No Idea Pod. We're going to keep the boxing stuff going with a couple of guests on Wednesday and then a mega breakdown show on Friday. UFC has a pay-per-view this weekend. WWE has WrestleMania. Backlash that we will talk about on Friday as well. So it's going to be a busy week. Talk with you guys later. We're out.